The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, turn to John, the Gospel of John, uh, in chapter 1. We're going to read this quickly. So John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made, that is life, and this life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And there came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. Uh, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so, through him all, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, he was through the world, and it was made through him, and the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of human decision, but a husband's will, but those born of God... And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory. We, that's the key there, we've seen His glory and the glory of the One and the Only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And John testifies concerning Him. He cries out saying, I, This was whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace we have received one blessing after another. For the law that was given through Moses, grace came through Jesus Christ, and no one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is the Father's side, has made, us, made him known to us. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites, Levites to ask him who he was. That was John's testimony. Now, if you would, turn over to 1 John. It may be a little harder to find than the Gospel of John, but uh, if you go all the way to the book of Revelation, which is the very last book in the Bible, and you start going back towards, uh, towards the front of the Bible, you'll find Revelation, Jude, and then you'll find 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. So we're going to be in 1st John. In 1492, uh, Christopher Columbus set out for the Orient, and he ended up in the Caribbean. And some people have said that, that Columbus set a pattern nearly 500 years ago that's still true today. Men still won't ask for directions, you know. And uh, that may be true for many guys being someplace that we've never been before. It's kind of challenging. Uh, it's kind of an adventure, and it's an obstacle to be overcame. So uh, if we're there in a new place and... Uh, we ask for directions, that kind of spoils the journey. You know, we're trying to discover and move on. And so uh, maybe for Columbus Day, we should only let people drive who ask for directions. But, you know, if Columbus hadn't got lost, we wouldn't be here. Uh, but not all guys won't ask for directions, but a lot of them won't. Uh, I'm not one of those guys. I'll prove that in just a moment. Uh, but many of us in our spiritual lives... Uh, are kind of like that. The fact that uh, the dominant world, uh, word picture we see when we think about a spiritual journey or a spiritual walk, a spiritual lives, 
is a picture of a journey. And that's what I want to think about this morning and over the next few weeks. Whether you realize it or not, you're on a spiritual journey this morning. I want you just to think about that. And, and like I say, you, you might not have given that much thought, but you may be a, a spiritual seeker this morning. They call folks sometimes that are... Uh, they've really not made a commitment to follow Christ. They're just kind of investigating the, the, the word of, Christ, of Christ, of Christianity, and, and uh, they're, they're not sure where they're going to land yet. They're on a spiritual journey. You may be a skeptic. You may be an agnostic. You may be an atheist. I don't know that we have any uh, here or not, but, but the things you may say, I'm not sure what I believe yet. You're on a spiritual journey. You may be a born-again Christian. A disciple of Christ that says, hey, I've answered all those questions and and my aim is to please Christ. You're on a spiritual journey. So regardless of where we are today, each of us are on a spiritual journey. And and as many different groups as we have, we may not have a lot of, of common denominators among us, but that's one common denominator we have. We are all on a spiritual journey. Wherever you are in your spiritual walk, you're on a journey this morning. And while guys may resist asking directions sometimes, when it comes to our spiritual journey, men and women fail to ask for guidance often. They, they just move on through their life, and they don't really seek that direction. And uh, we try to figure it out on our own, and we try to think where we're going, and we use all kinds of ideals and all kinds of different things to, to get us uh, to where we think we need to be. So I got to thought, t- thinking about a spiritual journey... And I titled my message this morning, HTTP dot dot backslash backslash Rand McNally MapQuest TomTom iPhone Navigation slash far slash the slash journey. I sent that to Jeremy. He sent me a text back and said, I can't find that website you sent me. (laughs) And I said, well, that's going to be the title of my sermon. He said, don't make any sense. I said, well, sure it does. He goes, if we put that up there, somebody's going to write it down and try to look it up. How many of y'all would have done that if we put a a website up there? (laughs) There's a couple of you that raised your hand. So uh, he said, let me work on that. So uh, the reason I wanted to title it that is this little book in... 1 John, uh, really provides us with a reliable guide that can help us navigate through any kind of terrain that we're likely to encounter on our spiritual journey. So when you look at our, uh, our title, I guess we retitled it, Recalculating the Journey. How many of y'all know about the recalculating? You, you get in your car and you turn on the little navigation lady or man and... Uh, he or she's telling you to turn at the next intersection, and the next intersection goes into a cornfield. <laughs> you know, and uh, you keep going, and it says recalculating, recalculating. How many of y'all talk back to her? <laughs> Too many of you. <laughs> y'all know she can't hear you. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> they have a name, yeah. <laughs> I've actually yelled, shut up! at mine before, you know, because <laughs> I'm not going to turn that way, okay? I'm going to go this way. Uh, so anyway, this morning and over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to look at recalculating our journey, and there are a lot of maps available. Uh, what I told Jeremy I wanted to do is, uh, he had, how many of y'all heard of Rand McNally? Okay. 
just uh, that's the old folks, okay? If you raised your hand, <laughs> and Jeremy said, who is Rand McNally? I said, you know who Rand McNally? He goes, no, I don't. I said, if you ever buy a map, you've bought a Rand McNally map, you know? I said, that's for the old folks. And then the, the next group, uh, Tom Tom or MapQuest, that's for the little bit. If you're a little, uh, probably a, a Generation Xer, you probably use MapQuest or Tom Tom. And then if you're, a, if you're in the Y group, you're probably using an iPhone to navigate. Uh, we uh, go off on storms at work, and we'll say, uh, okay, here's our next place, and ever lineman there that's uh, below 30 years old pulls their iPhone out and starts keying it in their iPhone and there's no more looking at a map or trying to find it they just they can beat me there most of the time so we're we're looking at many different maps today but in 1st John we're going to really look at a map for a journey for the Christian life and today's title the kind of the the overall uh uh, title of the series is going to be recalculating our journey, but for today, uh, our title is this, Joy for the Journey. And we're going to talk about how we find joy for the journey, and uh, in First John, uh, we see the writer is one of Jesus' original disciples. Now, this is important to know. I'm going to kind of give you some background, but I think it's important for us to understand who John is and who John was. So in order to do that, I'm going to give you a little background, and we may not get deep into our journey this morning simply because of some things we need to do to find out who John was. John wrote five books in the New Testament. What were they? Come on, y'all jump out there. John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Revelation. That's the one that's, that we... We have to think about sometimes. So John is a, a writer of five different books, uh, in the, all in the New Testament. He was one of Christ's first followers. And this is important that we know that he was the, one of the first followers and he was the last one to die. So out of all the apostles, we have John here. And John uh, has moves over to uh, Asia Minor in his last days and... Uh, Asia Minor is kind of located in modern-day Turkey, and he lived at that area kind of as a spiritual mentor to the churches in Asia Minor. You're going to see why all this matters in just a moment. Uh, again, he was the last uh, living apostle of Jesus Christ, so he kept himself busy among all the churches in Asia Minor. So as, as he's going, he's kind of a, a person that could go, and he... Uh, he's helping folks develop themselves into the kind of Christians that they need to be. The apostles are all dead except for him. Uh, John is writing these letters, and most likely, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he wrote to these churches in Asia Minor. All three of them were just letters that he sat down, and he, he gave them an accurate account of Jesus' life, his death, his, his burial, his resurrection. That's what he's doing in these three letters. And today we're going to start looking, of course, at that first letter. And, and some people say that in John's letters, his epistles here, that he's, he put some kind of new novel ideals that was contrary to his gospel, which is what we began reading, John chapter 1 a while ago. But the truth of the fact is, or the truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. John is still being true to his word, and he's, he's writing these Christians because... 
these churches in Asia Minor are beginning to be divided among themselves. They're beginning to say, well, there's a, there's a new gospel, there's a new teaching, there's, there's new ways, there's new ideals about our Christian life. So John, he writes this first letter in order to correct these mistakes about Jesus Christ and about how Christians should live a life of facts and not follow these false teachers that came along. Folks, today we need to understand that in our world today, there are many false teachers. There are many people that say, I have a new revelation from Christ, or when you look at the old gospel, those, those things are not correct anymore. We have a new way that we need to follow Christ. So not only was this happening at the churches in Asia Minor, and not only was it happening 2,000 years ago, it's still happening today. And we need to be careful about who we listen to and who we try to follow when they come up with a, a new idea. These churches in Asia Minor, they came, came to a, a kind of a fork in the road in their spiritual life. Because we, on one hand you had John, he's the last living uh, apostle. He's, he's encouraging them to follow the orthodox belief of, of Jesus Christ and the way in the new gospel. But these new... False teachers have come along and they're enticing Christians with something that sounds more popular. And what they're doing, they're saying we have a, a new mysterious ideal about who Christ was. And as they begin to teach this, it became known as Gnosticism. And you've probably heard that term. If we were to think about something today that we would say uh, is Gnosticism or, or uh, Gnostic groups, we would say the New Age movement today. That's, a, that's the same belief, basically, that this ancient ideal of Gnosticism is. And that's simply this. The world is ruled by a lesser deity. In other words, John taught in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the end... In the Word, all things were created. He's talking about Christ being the Word. But as these Gnostics came along, they said, well, really, that's not true. Jesus Christ was a great man, and yes, there is one God. And they taught that, and they still teach it today. But instead of saying there's one God and He's the way to heaven, they say, but you can be a God too. There's many gods that rule the world. There's many gods that rule the earth. And, and through that, people begin to follow all kinds of isms. And that's what's taught in the, the New Age movement. Hey, this is a new age. You don't have to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There's many ways to heaven. And you don't have to believe only that Jesus Christ is the, the funnel which we get to heaven. There's a lot of different paths to heaven. There are a lot of different ways to heaven. There's a lot of different things that we can do to get to heaven. That was that... That New Age thought or that, that Gnostic thought of, of, wait a minute, there's many gods. There's not just one Christ. There's one God who rules heaven, and there's many gods that rule the earth. And as long as we hook up with one of those gods, we'll be okay. So that's what John is fighting at the churches in Asia Minor. He's saying, wait a minute, I'm going to go back and I'm going to write this letter to you, First John... And I'm going to explain to you that, that this is a road map, kind of a, a direction in your spiritual life. And, and we don't need to turn off of those things. And that's John's reason for writing this letter. And the first thing is this, that they might reignite their joy. I want to ask you this morning, 
How joyful are you today? You don't have to answer that, but I want you just to think about in your spiritual life, are you experiencing joy in your life? Are you experiencing joy in your spiritual walk today? Because that's what John addresses first. His friends there were so troubled about these divisions, about this controversy that's, that's tearing the church apart, that they had lost their sense of joy. They looked around at the surroundings. They looked around at what was happening in the world, and, and their joy was, was taken from them. So John writes this letter, and he wants their joy to be restored. And, and we find that in 1 John, and we're going to look at four different things this morning. We probably are not going to make it through it. We're going to go as far as we can. Thinking about joy for the journey, we start off in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. And look how John starts this. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and our own hands, we have touched him. That which was from the... This is right off the bat. This is John's, this is John's writing. Right off the bat. That which was from the beginning, we heard, we saw, we looked, and we touched and this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And this life appeared, and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now, when we begin to look at this uh, thought about joy, we thought, think, begin to think about building a spiritual journey, we begin to think about uh, how we can have joy in our spiritual walk. The first thing is this, building on the right foundation is how we begin to find joy for the journey. When we build on the right foundation, we have joy for the journey. We see in verse 1 and 2, the first thing we notice about this letter, and just if you've read much of the epistles there in the New Testament, you notice that that most of the time they're, they begin with, with a, a greeting of some type and they, they kind of begin with, with here, this is who, who I'm addressing the letter to, this is who has written the letter, uh, this is a blessing for you or a prayer for you, and then they get into the content of the letter, not this letter. Now John followed that in Second John and Third John, but here in First John, he just jumps right in, something very different. It almost sounds like the beginning of his gospel that we read, John chapter 1. And I believe the reason he done this is because the church would have heard and understand that which was from the beginning. And you remember what he said in John we read a while ago? He said, from the beginning the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh, and the Word dwelt among us. Probably ten years earlier, he had written that, and John's correcting misunderstandings about that gospel. Remember, they have false teachers in there saying, hey, Jesus Christ was a good man, okay, but he wasn't anything special. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get to God. So John just jumps in immediately and starts writing because he wanted to remind his readers of his earlier words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so on and so forth. Now the Word of life that Jesus is talking about is, uh, that John, John is talking about is Jesus Christ himself. When you read John and you say, boy, this, this Word was here, and the Word was God, and the Word was flesh, and the Word, just where you say Word, just know it's Jesus Christ. That's who John's talking about. So, so he's talking about from the beginning, 
Jesus Christ himself has been part of God, and he was here, and he became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and he appeared to us. See, as John begins to write, he, the eternal Son of God, the Son of God appeared to human creatures in what Christians call the incarnation. He came, he, God himself took on human flesh, and John emphasizes that both he and the other disciples were eyewitnesses. Now, I told you all a few weeks ago, during this time, if you went to trial, you needed two eyewitnesses, okay, for anything to be valid. So, as John writes these things, just little words, we and us, it's important because John is proving something to his readers. He says, hey, I'm, I'm giving you the, the truth as an eyewitness, but not only me... We, the apostles, we've all seen this. We all testify to this. This morning, if you have something in the back of your mind and you have some doubts about Christ, I mean, you struggle with, you know, did Christ really die? And, and did he, was he really buried? And, and three days later, was he really resurrected? And, I, you know, I just struggle with that. I, 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 I have some trouble just, just thinking if that's, that's really true. That's what John's addressing here. He, he says... Hey, Christ appeared to us, and we saw these things. Look at what he says, and we're going to look at these individually. We have heard, we have seen, we have looked, and we have touched. So John's telling this church, this church in Asia, these churches in Asia Minor, hey, let me explain to you something about Jesus Christ. We're talking about joy for the journey. We're talking about finding the right foundation. He uses four verbs to describe his own experience with Jesus Christ. First he says, we have heard it. Now think about this. We are looking at John. We're hearing John's word today. We have a reliable witness, not one, but many. Over 500 after Christ was resurrected, Saul. But John says, hey, we've heard the teachings of Christ. God's own authority... If John was sitting here this morning and, and we would say, well, I'm going to put Christianity on trial. And John, you're going to be our witness this morning. And what do you have to say for yourself? He says, I've heard the voice of Jesus. I've heard him teach with God's own authority. I heard Jesus declare to people that their sins were forgiving, that, that I've heard him walk among the leaves. I, I've been in his presence. I've I've walked together. I heard the whip that he, that he had as he drove out, drove out the money changers in the Jewish temple. I've, I've heard those things. My second thing is this. I've saw those things with my own eyes. I've been a witness to these things. The Lord says this, Blessed are you because you have seen. He's talking to his disciples. Blessed are you because you have seen. But even more blessed will those that, that only hear. And that's what we're doing. And John says, hey, I saw it with my own eyes. I witnessed miracles Jesus performed. I've seen Jesus arrested. I've witnessed him crucified upon the cross. I saw those things. I saw his burial. And I saw his resurrection. John says, this is who I am. I've seen these things. And he says, not only have I seen them, I've looked at it. You know what word it means here? This is what we do sometimes it means to stare intently at something. John said this, Hey, I saw all these things. 
I witnessed that I looked at his resurrection and I contemplated on it. I stared into it. I stared in amazement at, at Jesus Christ after his resurrection on Easter Sunday. I thought about those things. I gazed intently upon him. I rubbed my eyes and cleared my tears to make sure that that was Christ I was looking at. I didn't just hear about it, but I gazed and I looked at it. I made sure it wasn't a hallucination. I made sure it wasn't a ghost, but with my own eyes, I saw the Christ. Remember what he's doing? He's telling his church at Asia Minor, hey, don't follow these false teachers. Don't believe that Jesus Christ wasn't God. Because I heard, I saw, I looked intently. And here's the kicker, number four. And I have touched Jesus with my own hands. See, John said, I heard him. I saw him. I looked intently at him. And I placed my hands upon him. I put my hand on his shoulder. And, and I reached out and I, I touched Jesus after the resurrection. And and. I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't just seeing things because, see, I touched him and, and John and the other apostles, their experience with Jesus Christ, they were reliable eyewitnesses. They were somebody that he says, hey, we're proclaiming you what we heard, what we saw, what we looked intently into and who I touched. He's making his case and that's why John's friends had all met brutal death. All of them had been put to death because of their testimony of Jesus Christ. And John still stays as a living apostle. He, he still bears witness to this. Even though all of the others have been killed, John said, hey, I know what I've heard. I know what I've seen. I know what I dwelt upon in my mind. I know whom I touched. And even though they be put to death, I'm still going to stand for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And folks, for our spiritual journey, for it to be joyful, we need to be sure that it's built on reality. Now, don't just pass over that. I want you to think about that just a moment. Our spiritual journey is joyful when it's built on reality. See what John did? He said that God's Son, Jesus Christ, really lived. He really died. He really rose from the grave. It wasn't a hallucination. It, it wasn't some kind of illusion. And, and Christ on the resurrection Sunday, it wasn't a myth. It wasn't a fairy tale. But it was built on reality. John says the reality of this, the reality of our joy is I've heard, I've saw, I've touched, and it's something that's real. It's the real thing. And folks, in our spiritual walk, if we don't build our spiritual life, on reality, we're not going to have joy as Christians because there's going to be something always tossing us about. It's going to be something that, that we have to have a foundation of reality, not of wishful thinking or fantasy. I tell you, a lot of times folks will say, well, uh, you, know, you know where you're going to spend it to? Well, I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope I've done enough. I hope this... John says, I wrote these things that you may know you have eternal life. He wants us to know that we have a real Savior and we build our spiritual life upon the reality of Jesus Christ. In 1849, there was a wagon train traveling through Death Valley following the gold rush out to California. 
at this particular wagon train, it drudged through Death Valley, the hottest place in, in California, and they looked ahead, and they saw a, a sheet of water, and they believed it was Owens Lake. And they began to press on towards that lake, but it was just a mirage. It was, it was something that was just caused by the intense heat. And the harder they pressed on just to get to that water, they, the more frustrated they came. You know why they were so frustrated? You know why they were so disappointed? Because they were pressing on to a mirage. They were pressing on for something that wasn't there. It was simply something that, that they thought they could see. It was something that was out before them, but, but there was no reality in it. And folks, when we try to follow Christ without that reality of who Christ is, without that foundation of Jesus Christ, then our journey is not going to be a joyful journey. It's going to be a journey that causes us to come up way short. Too often, I believe, people build their spiritual lives on illusions. Whether it's some kind of psychic friends network or astrology or, or some writer or following some teacher, David Koresh and all kinds. Not that anybody here would follow someone like that, but, but people begin to claim their spiritual life on some kind of ism that somebody comes up with. Hey, have you read this new book? It has all of these new ideals and, and all of a sudden they begin to build their life upon something that comes along that they say, hey, there's got to be something more than Jesus Christ. And folks, when we begin to look into those things, and we begin our spiritual journey, and we begin to lose our joy of our spiritual journey, we need to look back and find out if our joy is built on reality. This morning, I want to ask you a question. Is your spiritual life built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? That's it. I mean, that's it. Is there anything else that, that you say, you know, for my journey, I need to add this, and I, I need to add that, and I need to bring this into my spiritual life? Or is it built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? His death, His burial, and His resurrection. If our spiritual life is built on anything other than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're not going to have joy for our journey. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We have a reliable witness. If we have doubts, you know there's nothing wrong with some doubts, but when we have those doubts, we need to bring them to God, and we need to say, God, I, I, I struggle with some things. And then God says, you know what? I got that covered because I had a church in Asia Minor that one of my apostles was an overseer. And I have a testimony for you today. It not a hear, it's not a hearsay testimony, but I have one who walked with me, who witnessed my miracles, who saw my resurrection and who touched me. I have a witness for you today. And I want to ask you this morning, do you have joy for the journey? If you've lost your joy, if you strayed off the map on your journey, that's what these Christians in Asia Minor had done. They had, they had followed these Gnostics. They, they began to believe and began to look into other things, and they've lost their joy. 
I want to ask you, would you come back to the one true Christ that gives us joy? Sometimes we call that just rededicating our lives. Lord, I, I've got off on the wrong path. I need to recalculate. I need to get back on that spiritual journey. Lord, I've, I fell in and I got some bad information. I took a wrong turn and uh, I got to looking at it. I need to get back where I need to be spiritually. Folks, this morning, if you've lost your joy, I, I pray that it's a joy to come and worship the Lord. If you've lost that joy, I want to ask you, is your spiritual life built on reality of Jesus Christ? Father, this morning I pray that as we just consider our spiritual life, we consider our, uh, the joy of our salvation, we consider what we've built that relationship with you upon. I pray, Father, that we would know that our, for us to have joy... Our relationship needs to be built on reality of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those that struggle with doubts, that struggle with questions, and just go to that point of, of just asking, I don't understand and I, I can't see. I, I know, Father, there's some things that we're not going to understand this side of heaven, but, Lord, we have a true witness who's been there who's been recorded in history, then, Father, I pray that we would understand the reality of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that we would know that you are all God and that you became all man. You dwelt among us. You walked among us. You took the burden of sin upon yourself and you paid the price for us. And, Lord, I pray that we would know there's those who testify to those things, and, Lord, that we would testify to those things today. And, Lord, our relationship with you would be built on the reality of Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I pray that we would be about your business and we would find joy for our journey. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.